with voice enough to talk a little bit, and I had a sore throat for some time, and and this morning I got an awful cold. Looks like just every time I come down somehow right into this valley. Yesterday I was speaking to some of the brethren when we was up on top of the knobs at New Albany and looked down this way. I said, that's the reason right there. It's just a fog hangs over here and a smudge like all over the whole city. And as soon as I come into this vicinity, just as I drop down in here, there it goes. See, again, just as soon as I come in. Oh, I have to take me a tent and go up on top of the hill somewhere. Camp. Because <laughs> we're just pilgrims and strangers anyhow, aren't we? Amen. Seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what we love. Now, we have some, uh, just before the service this morning, before the Sunday school teaching, we have uh, a dedication of babies. And my brother has a little one that he wishes to dedicate to the Lord, my brother in flesh. And maybe some of the rest of you mothers and fathers here have a little one to be dedicated. Now, many times in the Bible, and we've had lots of splits in churches because of the different theories on infant baptism and so forth. And now those who take them and sprinkle them for infant baptism, that's up to whatever way you want to dedicate it. But the whole thing mounts up to one thing, a dedication to the Lord. Amen. And now, because the baby, as far as sin, it has none. Jesus died to take away the sins of the world, and the baby has done no sin, only it was, it's a sinner. It's born in sin. But when Christ died at Calvary, he took away the sins of the world, and the baby is not responsible until it becomes the age of accountability. And any little baby, no matter how sinful the parents are, as soon as it dies, it goes straight to the arms of Christ. Because he paid the price. No matter if it's a baby born in sin and about adultery or whatever it is, it makes no difference at all. That baby is safe with Christ because he died to take away the sins of the world. And well, when he gets old enough now that it's done personal sin, then it has to repent for what it has done. But it has no personal sin until it's old enough to commit sin to know which is right and wrong. But now we always try to stay just as close to the Bible on these things as we know how. Now there's no scripture in the Bible for sprinkling babies. The only thing that we find are no infant baptism in the Bible and no farm. The only place we can find is throughout here in the scriptures that they brought unto Jesus little children and he took them up in his arms and blessed them and said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now, as he's gone on to God and sits at the right hand today in his corporal body in the, on the throne of God, and he has commissioned his church to go into all the world and to continue the works that he started here when he was here on earth, that is, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and dedicating the children, and so forth. Therefore, the loved ones uh, is uh, asked to bring their little ones to the Lord by giving them to the pastor into his arms, and he raises them by faith to Christ and asks Christ to bless them. And so if you have a little one that, that you haven't dedicated to the Lord and you'd want to bring him while our sister plays the piano, bring them in and we can sing it. How many knows the old song, Bring Them In? That's fine. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Henry Branham will bring their little one, and any of the rest that has some they want to bring, will bring them right up at this time now for the dedication. All right. Thank you. 
Little Brown. <laughs> little Mariana Brown. The daughter of my brother and his beloved wife that they have come forward this morning at the church to offer the little fellow life back to God who gave it to them. Amen. Now shall we bow our heads just a moment. Our kind Heavenly Father is standing here before me today, my own brother in flesh, and his bride, his wife, and thou hast so blessed their homes of this little Mary Ella to give them joy in the days that's ahead of them. I thank thee for their remembrance of where the baby come from, bring it today to the church that they might present it back to you. Yes, Lord. And I now give the baby to thee in arms of faith and ask you to bless the little one who I hold, and may it live and grow, and if Jesus tarries, may it be a servant of yours to serve thee. Blessed Father and Mother, God grant that your Holy Spirit will lead them through life's journey. And in some day when this earthly pilgrimage shall cease, may all the big family be gathered together in the until that time, may this child grow and be blessed of God, be healthy and strong, and be an example of womanhood in its days to come. And we'll give thee the praise, for we present the baby to thee now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Son. Amen. Amen. I give it back to you. God bless you. Lord, bless you. All right. children to enter into the kingdom. Now, we thank God for this little baby, little Mary Ella Branham, and may it live and grow and prosper and be a servant of the Lord, and may the home it's raised in be a Christian home, and so it can come up in the admiration of Christ. 
And now we are, thank you, Sister Gertie. And now the little ones have taken their position in the room for Sunday school classes, and the pastor has has made the announcements of where the uh, services will be uh, today and tomorrow, tomorrow night, this afternoon. Uh, they'll, as far as I know, there's no services open, lest it would be some of the little missions in Louisville that we are acquainted with, our brother Durbin, and many of them, I think they have a Sunday afternoon service. I've got many calls, many people are in courts and so forth to be prayed for that's sick and afflicted. My next services will be at uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, beginning next Friday night, Friday through Sunday. And then we're coming right home and going to South Bend, Indiana, and for two nights there with the uh, dedication of the temple, Brother R.E.S. Toms from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And then from there we go to Sturgis, Michigan. Uh, for two nights of service at Sturgis, Michigan, and then go over to Lima, Ohio, to the Baptist people in the Memorial Auditorium in, in Lima, Ohio. That begins on January the 23rd through the 27th. And then from there we go over to the West Coast and to the big meetings in California and Arizona. Be in prayer for us. Tomorrow, Tonight at 7.30 will be the evangelistic services here at the tabernacle, and everyone is invited. And tomorrow night, I have to, I'm going to speak for Brother Cobbles at his, his midnight watch service. I'll be, my portion begins at 9 till about 9.30. Then I'll return back to the tabernacle here where the meeting will already be in progress with visiting pastors and ministers who will be here to have a portion in tomorrow night's service, if you all like to hear uh, pastors speak and express their uh, ways of telling you how to begin the new year and what to do why, from the scriptural standpoints, why be sure to be here tomorrow night. Services beginning at 7.30 as usual on 7.30, and we'll continue on for uh, uh, till midnight, Sunday night, and then or Monday night, rather. Then after 9 o'clock, uh, after I get through at Brother Cobble's, I'll be right straight back over here at the tabernacle to begin and perhaps maybe finish what a, the sermon that I wish to start this morning. Uh, I'm kind of it takes me a long time. I'm slow, you know, but I like for it to get down on the right kind of a foundation. So there's no need just scattering it anywhere. I want it to lay there and grow and prosper for the Lord. Now there's a a minister here this morning, a young minister that's supposed to be, I suppose, in the Bel Air Motel. I'm supposed to see him at about two to three this afternoon. And uh, or is he in yet? As I forget what the brother's name is. He's coming from down in Tennessee. He was healed of a broken back in my meeting and entered the ministry. This the brother there. All right, that's fine. That's it. Um, it's from. Uh, was it two to three? Was it a uh, three? Three. Uh, three. Three to four. All right. And then there's another minister, I don't know whether he's here yet or not. He's from way up in northern British Columbia. One day when I was trying to buckle on some painters on some horses, I guess, or something, I had a beard about that long. I'd been back on a hunting trip several years ago. A man walked up and said, aren't you Brother Brandon? I met a young lady in a store, said she'd never seen a woman, uh, or never seen a uh, 
the city, a big city, and I guess she's four or five hundred miles from a city, maybe more than that, hundreds of miles from a hard top road in a little city called East Pines. I think there's one store there. Way back in there, this couple walked up and they're on the road to Cuba. I wonder if they're here this morning yet. Uh, from Northern British Columbia, right here. Well, bless your heart, brother. We're glad to have you and your wife, missionaries, traveling through. Call me this morning from the from the Star Motel. The Lord bless you. I'm going to order all of our brethren will be glad to shake their hands. And a man that by a picture could recognize me with all that beard on has a good discernment. <laughs> Very fine. They were. So gallant, the way up in there where there's no people hardly, way up on East Pines, and it's going to be hard to say how few people there is through that country, but yet they were up there as missionaries trying to do something for the glory of God. Amen. I certainly appreciate them with all my heart. I know you all like to shake your hands and hear about the great northwestern country. And now... Then uh, I believe a Mrs. Roberson's mother is still very ill. I got to see her this afternoon and remember to pray for her. That'll be, and then, the Lord willing, I'll be back here again at 7:30 tonight. And I think the McSpaddens back there is we're going to dinner with them around about six o'clock and give us time to get back. And then we want to visit Mrs. Um, um, Burns. Is Brother Burns in this morning? Is he here? Yes. I didn't see you, Brother Burns. Say, Sister Burns is very sick. Very sick. And I was over the other evening to see her, and she is very sick, and a gallant soul she is. And we want everyone to constantly hold to God, because expressing it from this manner, not knowing who would be here, but it'll take a miracle of God to bring Sister Burns back to the church again. That's right. When her beloved husband just left the hospital up there at the Veterans Hospital with cancer, condemned to die, and God healing. And here he is back in the church and with very good health again, as could be expected in this kind of time. And when the Lord healed him of a great enlarged spleen with cancer into the same thing, years and years ago. And I remember the very time while Brother Wood sitting there, I was in on a little vacation, we was out in the woods squirrel hunting, and something said to me, go home. I went home, and why to go to Louisville, I'll never know. And Brother Woods raised around Louisville, driving the wrong block, round and round and round, trying to pick me up, and God was holding me on a corner waiting for Sister Burns to come tell me. And it was her, that gallant woman, that come told me her husband was dying there in the hospital, when we went there and prayed, and she got down and took that picture that the Lord taken his picture of the pillar for all of you, seen it, I suppose, uh, set it down on the floor, and she said, Dear God of heaven, she said, Help me to find Brother Branham at once. I must do it. And she said, Angel of God, guide me to him. Amen. That's what it takes. And she raises up and goes to town to pay a utility bill and was strangely led around another corner. And God sent me from the woods to Louisville and helped me on the corner for a half hour watching Brother Woods turn the wrong corner all the time up there trying to pick me up. Amen. See? Now, we know that God knows where his little daughter's laying over there. And he might be expecting you to pray the prayer of faith. We'll do all we can.
Another thing we want to say this morning with not only bowed head but hearts to one of the loyalest men that I've, one of them that I've ever met in my life is our brother Higginbottom. His, our beloved sister has gone to be with the Lord Jesus, a gallant soldier of God. How many times have I seen her come to the altar? Her longing was always to get to this prayer line where the Holy Spirit would tell her what was the trouble. She longed to do it. And how many times did she walk across this platform here trying to find if the discernment would, would come? And in other meetings in different places has she tried. But it just simply wouldn't come somehow. And then a few weeks ago, walking into the hospital down there when I heard she was sick and it was late in the evening, and when I went into the hospital and sat down by her side, there the Holy Spirit came down and went plumb back into life and brought the everything up and put it right exactly where the trouble was. But the strange thing was, Sister Hickenbottom didn't even desire to stay here any longer. She wanted to go on. There's something calling her. She answered that call the other day to go be with God. And I'll always remember that. No wonder you feel bad when you come into the city. Amen. <laughs> it's rejected the gospel. That's what's in my And doomed she is. The 37 flood won't be nothing until this is ended. But, <clears throat> yes, it's doomed, absolutely. And that's the reason the handwriting's on the wall. Amen. And now, it's too bad we own the property, the things along here, but I heard the other day that some of our brethren got a ticket for parking even on the edge of the church lot there. Such a disgrace. I'll pay that ticket if you'll just let me know what it was. That's a pity. Yes, sir. Well, we, this, I think if the, I think we still own that. <laughs> at least the deed says so. <laughs> Pull right over on this year. And um, maybe you won't get a ticket over there. But I'm glad we're headed for a place where they don't drive our tickets, aren't you? <laughs> right. Wonderful. Yes, indeed. Now... I'm, not, I'm just going to try to talk a little while this morning because I got a real head cold and stopped up. And, and I want to talk, take a subject from the Old Testament and just teach a while, the Lord willing. And then maybe tonight, if you come back, the Lord willing, get back in time and not too worn out. Uh, oh, I just happened to think, too, Brother Kelly's sitting here and Sister Kelly's to come up right at you come as quick as you can after dinner, because I'm just really moved out this afternoon with a lot of stuff, Brother Kelly. I remember the other night, I was leaving on a call when you all come in. All right? Now, that's, that's all right. Now, then, um, pray for me. And pray for the, my decisions of the Lord will be, will be for Him the best that I can. Now, we want to turn over in the old book, the old, the last, or the first book, the Genesis 35. And we wish to read just a little portion of the scriptures here out of the book of Genesis. And we pray that God will richly add his blessings as a background of something we wish to teach on. And how many likes Sunday school? Oh, that's a, how many knows where it first originated? 
Don't see a hand. It's kind of, how many knows what it was first called? Where's my wife? She ought to know. <laughs> All right. It was, yeah. Another missionary. God bless you. Brother who? Brother neighbor. Where is he? Would you raise your hand, brother neighbor? God bless you, brother. Is that your wife with you? That is very fine. We're glad to have you and your family with us this morning. You know you're in the will of God. You have to be when you're a missionary, you see. Because the general orders is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A man that's a missionary. Now, I don't, I don't care too much. Uh, missionary is a very fine word, but i got a better word for it. You're an apostle. See, that's right. Now, what does the word apostle mean? One that's sent. What does the word missionary mean? One that's sent. It's the same thing. So, missionaries, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors make up the church. Is that right? Amen. Apostles, prophets they call. So, as long as you are a missionary and are an apostle, you're one saint of God to a mission. Amen. And you're always right. God bless you is my, my prayer. Brother and sister um, Foss is on their way to Cuba, to the fields, going from the frozen regions of the north to the tropical jungles of the south. But this gospel must be preached in all the world. Amen. What a change. Where are you from, brother? Going to Israel. Oh, uh, I'd like to see Mabel sitting back there. I'd call my wife and Mabel to sing for you. They come from the east and the west. They come from the lands afar. To feast with the king, to dine as his guest. How blessed these pilgrims are. Amen. Beholding his hallowed face, aglow with light divine, blessed partakers of his grace as gems in his crown to shine. Won't it be wonderful to that day? Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you to Israel and you to the place you're going. It's my blessings to you, brethren, this morning. Amen. Now, before we open the Bible, we know that this is text, and God has the context wrote between the lines, you see. So we can just read the text and let God give us the context. So let's bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray that you take these words that we shall read now and break them right into our hearts and let us come softly, quietly, humbly, reverently into thy presence and may the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and feed every heart. Include mine there, will you, Lord? For I ask it in Christ's name, amen. All right, we'll read just a verse or two here so that we can get just a little background. Genesis is the seed chapter, we know. All right, we'll begin with the 15th verse. And a certain man found him. Behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, they feed their flocks. And the, man's, and the man said, They are departed thence, 
For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, invited him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And may the Lord grant his blessings to his word. Now, the Genesis is always to me... Did I tell you what chapter that was? It's Genesis, I believe, if I've seen Genesis 37, and beginning with the 15th verse of you that mark it. Now, we... I believe I said 35 a while ago. I had two pages together. I'm, I'm sorry. This little old Schofield Bible, and it's kind of hard for me to read because I'm past... Forty, you know, <laughs> and uh, my—they uh, tell me I should have some reading glasses. I went and got my eyes examined when I got so I had to keep pushing my Bible away from me. And the doctor tells me my arm won't be long enough after a while to get it back. And I got to said I need some reading glasses. I examined my eyes and they tested perfect ten ten, but I could see a hair laying on the floor somewhere there. This is easy. But put it up close to me. He said, when you get... So what makes your hair get gray? I said, I don't know. He said, it's old age. <laughs> he said, that's what gets wrong with a person's eyes. When you pass 40, you're actually your eyeballs get flat. And you just have to, to <laughs> cope with it, that's all. And I just keep putting off. Well, I don't have time to go, but I, I will someday and get uh, uh, readings to read by. I want to go to teaching more, but now I just read a text and go on... And this is, I got this Bible many years ago, and it's real, extremely fine print. Now, in the Genesis, Genesis means the beginning, the seed chapter. And remember that everything that there is today actually began in Genesis. Amen. It was beginning of all things. It was beginning of, of salvation. It was beginning of sin. It was beginning of all the cults. It was the beginning of the true church. It was the beginning of the false church. It was the beginning of righteousness. It was the beginning of deceit. It was the beginning of all things started in Genesis. I wish we had just about three months on this to stay right on this one subject and just dig it, tie it by the Holy Spirit, by God's cards, and just wrap it together and watch how every word just dovetails right in with the other words. Such a beautiful thing. The Word of God is so inspiring. No matter what age, what time, every man that's ever read this text through the... It's been written now for many hundreds, yeah, for three thousand more years. 
And every man that's ever read this text in every age is inspired by it. Every verse of Scripture. There's nothing else can ever take its place. A writing that was written back in another day, when it's read for that age and for its purpose, it's settled. I might write you a letter and say, My dear beloved brother, today I have been over to a certain place and done such and such a time. That goes directly to you and that settles it. Maybe for a court evidence or something, it could be brought up for an evidence against me or for me to prove me something or prove something against me. But it would not be the direct message as it would be when it's given to you. But the Bible is not so. It's given to the human race and for all times and for all ages. Because it is a written Word of God. Amen. His words can never fail. They'll never die. And as long as there is an eternity forever and ever, these will still have the same meaning. Amen. Because they're once come from the lips of God. Think. Can't fail. Just think of that. How eternal... The Word of God is. They're alive. Now, what is a word? A word is a thought that's been expressed. And when God once thinks anything, it's just a thought. But when it's once expressed, it can never alter or change. It has to remain forever. Because your word is just as good as you are. God's Word is as good as He is. Your Word is a part of you. Your promise is just as good as you can be. And God's promise is just as good as He can be. Now, as being a mortal, you can make a promise and have to break it. Because you're just a mortal. I'm just a mortal. But God being immortal and infant and omnipotent, omnipresent, he makes a statement and he knows the end from the beginning, and he can keep it. Amen. Abraham called Amen. those things which were not as though they were, because he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Because he had never made the promise unless he knew what was going to be. Amen. See how we can rest upon his word then? No matter how hard the storm blows, what's contrary to it, rest solemnly upon the Word. God said it who seen the other side of the storm. So if you're sick, just anchor your soul in the haven of rest. If you're perplexed and distressed, remember He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. And he's, he said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. So just stay right there. One man wrote a poet, wrote, my anchor holds within the veil. What is a veil? It's something that shuts off here from there. And the anchor is on the inside of the veil. You don't see how it's going to be, but you know that there's something that's got a hold of you, that's got a hold up there. Amen. 
And when the sea is blowing and storming, did you ever, I guess maybe some of you has never been privileged to see a ship anchored. Oh my. I rode them when they threw out a sea anchor like that until the little craft couldn't even go over the top of the, the wave. It would go through the wave. But as long as the anchor held, that all makes any difference. Whether we go over it, under it, around it, or through it, doesn't matter. The anchor holds. That's the way when storms of life begin to shake us, we may have to go through, we may have to go over, under, around. But just let the anchor hold within the veil to the unseen. We don't know just exactly where it's at, but it's a holding. Just like the little boy, you know, that had the kite. You've heard the old proverb, the story. Said, how do you know you got a kite on in there? Said, I can still feel it tugging. <laughs> so that's it. Amen. If we can feel it still tugging, God dealing with our hearts, then we know our anchor still holds. I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who caught the lightning in the bottle, who harnessed lightning, electricity. Something within him called and said, there's power in that. That power could be harnessed. And if it's that powerful to shoot the streets and to burst the timbers, split over the ground, what could it do if it was once harnessed? It'll lighten flash and hit the whole earth. And Benjamin Franklin, I believe, fishing on his kite with a key tied on the end of the tail of the bottle down at the bottom. And when he got it, he didn't know what he had. But he began to scream, I got it, I got it. He didn't know what it was. He didn't know what he was going to do with it. But he knew he had something. And that's the way with every man that's hopes are built on nothing less than Jesus' blood with righteousness. All around my soul gives way, then he's all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other grounds is sinking sand. Once born again, the Holy Spirit takes its place into the heart. Some young people may not, or young, or maybe illiterate. No matter how it is, there's no one can explain it. So don't feel bad because you're illiterate. You couldn't explain it. There's never been a man yet could explain it. No matter how smart or how intelligent, it's God's own secret. Amen. But when that word takes life in your heart and you see it, you scream, I got it. Amen. You don't know what you're going to do with it. You don't know what it's going to do with you. But you know something's happened. Amen. And you got it. Now, therefore, on the Word, it's beautiful. Now we're faced this morning and got before us under consideration, to my opinion, one of the most vital texts of the Old Testament. Joseph, we're going to speak on, meeting his brethren. There could be a hundred different ways that the Holy Spirit get into this and unfold it to our hearts and minds. So thinking this being a few days here, we might speak a little while this morning because of a tightness in the throat, and then maybe pick it up again tonight if the pastor has anything on his heart, and maybe carry it on through and finish it up on Monday night. If uh, so be that God provides it that way. Now we're well acquainted with the characteristics of the Old Testament, how that all the old things was a shadow, Hebrews 11, a shadow of the things that are to come. 
How beautiful that is. How God foreshadows. Amen. And when we feel this shadow as it was, we know that there's something beyond here. That God in His omnipotence, in His great infant mind, sees something just fixing to happen, He can forewarn it. He can make everything work together, even the wrath of man to praise Him. Amen. Even someone who treats you evil, as we're going to get after a bit of the Lord willing, how that Joseph's brother treated him evil, and he turned right back around and took that and made it crazy. Amen. So we haven't got a thing to worry about. Not a thing. How that God through that boy was foreshadowing the coming of the Lord Jesus the first time and the coming of the Lord Jesus the second time. And worked it all out in a life that knew nothing about what was going on. Amen. Don't that just do something to you? To see poor little Joseph, well, he didn't know what was taking place. Why all these things should happen? But it was all God working out, foreshowing, foreshadowing the things that were going to be. And then you can notice the word. How you pick it up here and read it in Genesis, read it in the middle of the book, read it in the last of the book, and every word copes right with one another like that. And it was wrote thousands of years apart by hundreds of different men. See? So therefore, you see, it's all God. One not knowing the other and know what book is wrote, nothing about it, another time, another age. And we can see today that God is dealing just exactly like He did back there. Amen. We're just now going, ending up in the new year from the shadowing of the old. And how that in the beginning, how that God, when He seen sin going to take its domain over the earth and over the people, how that the great program had been perverted, not spoiled, not recreated, but just perverted. Amen. See, Satan cannot create. He can only pervert. Amen. Everything that you see is wrong. That's righteousness perverted. Amen. See? You see an old fortune teller out on the street, that's just a prophet perverted. Amen. See? You see anything that's evil, see man living untrue to his vows to his wife, that's righteousness perverted into evil. Vice versa. See women on the street acting the way they do and becoming the way they are, that's ladies perverted. I passed by Louisville the other day, wife and I, and I seen a sign on a window where we were coming from eating over on 5th Street and said, Tables for Ladies. I said, they have never had a customer. No, a lady wouldn't go in there. Amen. When she goes in there, she's not a lady anymore, Amen. see? So we have never had a customer under that sign. Ladies don't go to those places. But you see, what that is that goes in there is ladies perverted. See? All right. Now, God, to make all things praising, we are celebrating the Christmas birth of the Lord Jesus, which it isn't just exactly His birthday. His birthday was in April. 
Because it's just as cold in Judea or colder in December than it is here. So we realize that, you see the picture of the day, the tanks up there in the snow and things like that in Judea? Could you imagine shepherds laying out on the hill and weather like that? Amen. But it isn't the day, but it, the day doesn't mean so much. It's the, the attitude we have toward Amen. that day that's set apart. Amen. Now, Notice, as soon as God seen the seed of the woman and how they had been misconstrued there and righteousness had been perverted, God gave a promise that through that woman would come a blessed seed. You get it? Amen. There would be a seed. And just as soon as Satan heard that, who was standing present, as soon as he heard it, he took in to destroy that seed. And he tried to do it in Joseph. He tried all through the age. And he's still against that blessed seed. Amen. Amen. I want you to put on your deep thinking caps just for a minute now. As put on the helmet of salvation and listen close now. Here's something Real vital. And you may disagree with it. It's all right. But did you notice as soon as there had already been a, a conception for Eve had already lived unrighteous and had committed the sin, where did that come from? That's in Genesis. Man today are trying to find the missing link between animal and man. Amen. This is revelation. The Bible said that the serpent beguiled the woman. Today man can bring up animal life and the closest animal they have to the human being is a chimpanzee. They can make him smoke a pipe, ride a bicycle, put on a hat, tip it. That's just like G and Hall to a horse. It's sound. He has no soul. He can't think. He can only go by sound. He doesn't have a soul. Then they got a missing link right in between here that they never have been able to find. And for 6,000 years they tried to get one mutter out of a chimpanzee and can't do it. They never will. But we know that we're animal-like. We're plant life out of the earth. As I was saying the other day at our dear sister's funeral, we are a bunch of 16 elements of the earth of cosmic light and petroleums and things put together. We were here when God spoke and said, let there be. Our bodies were. But something, a mastermind, developed us into what we are now. Made us with hands and arms and so forth, not to destroy us, but that we might live forever. Amen. Sin done the destroying. And he who made us without us having any, any idea of ever being here, he that made us and brought these things together and made us what we are now, can he not much more by giving us free moral agency to accept it and by the same word that created us promises? That he'd raise us up again? Amen. How much more will all this petroleum come together and the atoms and so forth in the, by the Word of God? Now, in the beginning, when God spoke and Satan was standing there and he heard it, and the people are trying to find this missing link, 
I'll tell you by revelation, if you want to receive it, that missing person between animal and man is the serpent. Amen. Before he had his legs taken from him. The Bible said he was the most subtle of all the beasts, not reptile, of all the field. He was the one who beguiled a woman in his beauty. And she conceived him. Now, by doing that and seeing sin was coming, God put such a curse upon him to science and never find any relationship between this serpent as known today and mankind. But there is your fallen, degraded being between that hooked the animal life together. There you are. God has hid it from the wise and prudent, but we reveal it to babes such as we'll learn. See? There's your fallen person. The serpent, he was brought from way the most subtle, the greatest, the most beautiful, the more like human being. And then because of this evil that he did with Eve, he brought him down to a reptile to go on his belly all the days of his life, and thus should be his need. That's where science can come to there and their trees knocked down. Notice, now... As soon as the woman seen that she, the, now she was deceived. She didn't bring sin. She was deceived. She thought it was right. But Adam was not deceived, said the Bible. He knew it was wrong. And she had him to do the same thing that the beast had done. And she brought forth her first son, which all the traits of the devil was in that boy. He was a murderer. He was jealous. How could it come from that pure stream of God? It had to come from the evil. Amen. And as soon as he did this, then he, the devil used his tool. She brought forth her second son, which was after Adam, and in there was Abel. And right quick the devil tried to destroy that righteous seed. Amen. And he turned around and slew Abel. To begin with, which is type of Judas and Jesus. Slew him at the altar. Toward Jesus, Judas slew, slew Jesus, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver and sold him. All right. But notice, when he did that, then God, a type of Christ, both death and resurrection, he raised up Seth to take his place. Amen. See? And the devil took after Seth. Now watch. Along before the Andalusian destruction, there was a long lineage of man who came down through the sons of Cain from the land of Nod, and they were scientists, smart, intelligent, marvelous man. They even tempered metals. They built homes. They were a marvelous civilization. The Bible goes ahead and said how they worked with copper, how they worked with metal. But this other group was wanderers. Amen. <laughs> but both groups was religious. Cain was religious. Abel was religious. And God drawed a line which was right. Cain was just as religious as Abel. They both built altars. They both believed in God. They both worshipped God. They both brought gifts. Now watch them two seeds. One, one fighting the evil, trying to destroy the righteous seed. And he tried to destroy Abel. He did. 
But God raised up Seth to take his place. He thought he had Jesus right there. Look down to the age. Everywhere, he, every place he comes, he cornered that seed. When he slew one and the other, he thought he had that. And finally, he, he took after John the Baptist. Finally cut his head off. He thought he had him man. But he found out he was over here in Jesus. Amen. He slew all the babies. And Moses, he tried to kill Moses. He tried every way he could to destroy that seed. And when he killed Christ at Calvary, but God raised him up again the third day. Amen. And then he sent the Holy Ghost back to call sons. Amen. Daughters to God. And that same evil religious seed is persecuting that righteous seed yet today. Amen. You see it? They're trying to destroy that righteous branch of God. Amen. Now, both sides, if you notice, it started in Genesis religious. On both sides, one of them denominational, high-minded, and the other one humble, walking in the Spirit by revelation. How could Abel ever know that it was a lamb instead of fruits from the field? Because it was revealed to him by a divine revelation. Amen. Jesus said the same when Peter confessed him to be the, the Son of God. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Amen. Upon this rock. Amen. The rock, not Peter, not Jesus, but on the divine revelation. Amen. I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against Amen. it. You get it? Amen. It's divine revelation. Now watch. Every effort of time that they met face to face and fought it out. Look at when Moab was up on the hill and Israel was in the valley. And Israel only asking as a brother gentleman to pass through their land, going to the promised land that God had promised them, only asked for a little revival in their church, as it were. Just to pass through the land and promise they would even pay for the grass that the cattle licked up. And they would go over the king's highway and the things that they would do as they passed through the land. And they would make it right. But jealousy. Now Moab, the land of Moab, was not infidelic. They were believing in the same God that Israel believed Amen. in. For they were the sons of Lot's daughters. Lot's daughter who conceived while Lot was drunk by her own father. And it went over, and they, that's where they, Moab sprung from. And when their prophet come out, their teacher, money crazed, and set up altars, seven altars, exactly the same amount of altars was required down here. Here's Moab sitting here, the great fine denominational land, all fixed and figured. And here was Israel, a little old holy roller, wandering about in tents from place to place. You say, holy roller? They sure was. If, they, if they're what they call today Holy Roller. When they crossed the Red Sea and God performed a miracle in front of them, Miriam grabbed the tambourine and began beating the tambourine and run down the bank screaming and jumping and dancing in the Spirit. And the daughters of Israel followed her jumping, screaming, dancing in the Spirit. And Moses stood with his hands up, perhaps singing in a language that nobody had ever heard before, a song that nobody could understand. He sung to the Lord in the Spirit. If that isn't modern holy rollers, I don't know where to look for them. 
They had signs and wonders with them. Now, if God only respects the fundamental, look here, Moab, scripturally speaking, was just as fundamental as Israel was. Amen. He had everything that Israel had. He had seven altars. That's what God required. Israel had seven altars. He had seven clean sacrifices. Israel had seven clean sacrifices. There's Cain and Abel again. Amen. All right. He offered seven bullocks. He offered seven bullocks. He offered seven rams, speaking to believe that Christ would come. He offered seven rams, the same name. Just as fundamental as fundamental could be. Cain built an altar. Abel built an altar. Cain offered a sacrifice. Abel offered a sacrifice. Abel worshipped. Cain worshipped. But God vindicated, proved that Abel was his choice. God proved here that Israel was his choice. For Israel had a supernatural in their camp. Although of all their mistakes, they had a pillar of fire following them. They had an atonement for divine healing and practiced divine healing. Amen. A serpent. They had a smitten rock. They had signs and wonders in the camp. When John came, he was supernatural. When Jesus came, it was supernatural. Amen. And the enemy on the fundamental side always persecuted the supernatural. Amen. Right. You see what he's trying to do today? The same thing. Blot out divine healing. Blot out these people. There's nothing to them. The dignitaries, the great people. Blot it out. Brother, it's nothing but that vine twisting through Genesis coming into Revelation. I take my side with the holy rollers. Let it be whatever. I've never seen a holy roller. That's a name that the devil put on the church of God when it don't belong there. They are not holy rulers. They are sons and daughters of God, misunderstood by the world. Now, Joseph was born of his father and was loved of his father and hated of his brethren. Now, notice, perfect picture of the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice how his life just typed. In the Old Testament, everything typed now. Look back there and see the picture. There's a shadow, and you see what the positive is. Now, notice, Joseph being a type of Christ, a type of the church, type of the Holy Spirit, type of the Prince of Prosperity, just as Christ is, just as the church today. Notice again that when he was born, his father loved him, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, there's only seven perfect colors in all colors. All others are made off these colors. And the coat perhaps had colors in it of seven different colors, stripes of colors, into the coat that the Father made. If you notice, maybe Jacob didn't understand that at the time. But that signified promised one. When God gave Noah the rainbow sign, the seven colors, It was a promise or a covenant one. God had made a covenant that he would destroy the world no more with water. And God's covenant was also carried over through Jacob into Joseph. Abraham was election. And Isaac was justification. And Israel 
was grace, and Joseph was perfection. Amen. That was the only one that had the colors. We see Jesus sitting up on the throne with the colors, rainbow around him. In Revelation 1, it was God's covenant with the people. Christ, here it is. Oh, how I want you to see it. Christ is God's covenant with His people. Amen. Not denominations. But Christ is God's covenant. Amen. As Joseph was hated, so is Christ hated today. They don't want to say they hate Christ, but they're worse through what they do. They're against every move of Him. Speak of His action, His works, His marvelous doings. Well, sure, we have Satan at the camp, too, of battling away. Certainly, and they'll point to the words of Satan. But I don't care what Satan does to, to try to confuse. God's Word stands perfect and His promise is perfect. I'll never want to take sides with that group. Notice, there He was. The covenant. Christ was to look upon a jasper and sardis stone. In Revelation. That was the breaststone, the birthstone rather, from Reuben to Benjamin. That was the reflection of the Sardis and Jasper as they reflected together under the light of God, made the covenant around Christ, the rainbow. And what does it speak of? Reuben the oldest, Benjamin the youngest, from first to the last he was the one that was, which is and shall come. The root, the offspring of David, he's the morning star. He's from A to Z, the Alpha, the Omega. God's reflection from the beginning of time to the end of time. There he is. God's covenant with his people. And all these other things, Joseph, David, all the prophets was just a reflection. Amen. Amen. Reflecting from the true seed from the Garden of Eden till the time that he shall come the second time in glory to receive his people and his church. There it is. Beautiful to look upon. Joseph, his brothers were arrogant with him. They hated him without a cause because he was supernaturally inspired. You get Amen. Cain hated Abel without a cause because of being supernatural, inspired. Moab hated Israel without a cause because they had divine healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. Hated him without a cause and wouldn't let him pass to the... have your brother's wife. Amen. Now, my beloved friends, I want to bring something to your memory. Now, I want you to put it down below the fifth rib on the left side in the tent of that compartment called heart. Never in any age or any time that God ever inspired a man did he ever go on the religious side, so-called religious, people out of the world. Never did he take up with denominations. Amen. Always he stood out against and against the denominations of the day. 
and against the religious order of the day. Amen. Show me one prophet. Show me one time to the Bible that any man of God ever coped with the so-called religious moves of his day. Amen. 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 Even Elijah, after building the school of the prophets, why, when he went up there, they wanted to leave. He said, it's too straight here. Yeah. You see? Ahab, one of the religious leaders of his day, Elijah separated himself to Mount Carmel. Watch that John the Baptist separated himself, never even went to their school to learn their theology. But God sent him into the wilderness to prepare him for all the work. Amen. Kings. Outfit has never been able to put their ecclesiastical jacket on a man of God. It won't fit. Notice, through the ages, and when Jesus comes, never did he consult any of the theologians, but call them a bunch of vipers or snakes in the grass. Never did the disciples ever cope with any of their denominations. Amen. They were on the side of Abel. Never did Joseph ever cope with them. He was hated and rejected for the same purpose that the rest of them was. Because God was with him in a supernatural way and in a different way than what he was with the rest of them. And they hated him without a cause. Cain hated Abel without a cause. The brethren hated Joseph without a cause. And today, the denominational world, no matter how great it is, I take my hat off and say thank God for them. But in all of their great teachings, their great churches, the great things, still in all of it, God calls out man having nothing to do with it. Amen. Because they won't cope with the supernatural. There's a move on today. And they hate that move without a cause. I heard a man say the other day that almost turned my blood to water. Three-year man with the influence, a great Baptist preacher. And he was talking about that it was not scriptural for anyone to worship the Virgin Mary. How true that is. That's right. He said there was no scripture to worship anybody except Christ. That's right. He said God was in Christ, and in him was the fullness of the Godhead. That's right. And then after all that nice, wonderful scripture teaching, turns back around and said, never was there a miracle done in the world because he's so hard against divine healing, turned around and said, there never was a miracle done after the death of Christ. No one never raised the dead after Christ because that he was the only one who had eternal life. But I say unto you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, told his disciples to go and preach the gospel Heal the sick and raise the dead and clean the lepers. Amen. That's what Jesus told his disciples. How 
can men become so religiously blind? They become narrow-minded because of denominational barriers and hate their brethren without a fault. Amen. You see it? So narrow, so little. They do it because of their prestige. A great minister of the land today was asked why he didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as was presented by other men of his standing who had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, it would hurt my ministry if you tell me any time. It might hurt an individual's ministry, but it will never hurt the ministry of Jesus Christ. It will further the cause of the ministry of Jesus Christ. But this Mr. Doctor said that never was a person ever raised the dead. said, I know there's a bunch of holy rollers in the land today that claim that they've seen the dead raise themselves. There's never a scientific proof of any healings or anything else. Now you see, here it is, my brother and sister. I want you to notice this real close. The reason that is, is this. Today, man, in the days of the Lord Jesus, in the days of the Testaments, when man believed in God, they heard of a miracle being performed. They never tried to scientifically prove it. They accepted it. Amen. They just believed it. For they know that God was. But today, the infidelic group has got into the religious moves, and he's so trying to prove things scientifically. And let me say this as it's coming from heaven, I believe, to my heart. There is never a time that it could be proved, because if you could prove God, then He's no more accepted by faith. It is a proof. Amen. Amen. We believe God and His miracles by faith. We call those things which are not as though they were, because God said so. No matter what it is, Abraham cannot prove that Sarah's milk veins wasn't dried up. He could not prove that, that the tubes and so forth become impregnated. They, she could, they couldn't prove none of this. They couldn't prove maybe by the test of the seed that they were fertile. But he believed it anyhow and rejected anything that was contrary to it and called those things that were not as though they were because within the veil the hope of God rested on the Word of God and called those things scientific or not the truth that God said so. There you are. We believe by faith we receive it. But if the brother, not disputing with him, I don't believe in that, but if the brother would only read that how Paul was stoned to death and the saints stood over him and prayed for life come back in him. Amen. How did Paul preach all night one night and a man fell out of an upper loft and killed himself, a young man. And Paul laid his body up over him and the spirit of life come back in him again. How did Elijah raise the woman's baby after it was dead even 800 years before the coming of Christ. Man, even without the blessing of the Holy Ghost, done miracles that these fellows are afraid to attack with the Holy Ghost. How pitiful. Why? It's because they are arrogant and they hate their brethren without a cause. Just as Joseph was hated without a cause. 
You see it? Amen. He was hated. Not because he was worthy to be hated, but because without a cause. They did not believe him. He was living in a different realm. Amen. And I say this now as our time is getting short. I say this with all trueness of heart. They hate the church today that has the supernatural. It's jealousy. It's petty jealousy. And it exists among human beings. The disciples had it. They were so ashamed of themselves because ten days before God gave them power to heal the sick and to cast out devils and to raise the dead, and they had an epilepsy boy before them and it failed. And Jesus, when he come down off the mount and healed the boy, and they asked him, why could we not? He didn't say, I, I took my power back. He said, I give you power. I show you where he gave it to the church, but you can't show me where he ever took it back. What did Jesus rest his solemn words upon? Because of your unbelief. And then a few days later, they found a man who was not in their ecclesiastical realm. He had heard Jesus pronounce these things, and he was getting the job done. He was casting out devils. And Peter and John come to tell him he'd have to belong to their group, or he couldn't do this. You'll have to follow us and make up with us. We're the church, and you've got to do it. He let them know to tend to their own business. He was getting along pretty well without joining their organization. So like little sissy petties as we have today, little juvenile children's ideas, run back and said, we found him and he was casting out devils. And what was it? They were jealous because he was doing what they couldn't do. They had got carnal. Their eyes of their understanding, it was like Joseph's brethren had not been yet enlightened. So they come back and tattled on him. And told Jesus, and Jesus said, let him alone. Amen. He's doing a good work. Amen. He's doing what I commanded you to do, and you failed it up. Amen. God is able these stones to rise, children of Abraham. Amen. So now, my beloved Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterian brethren, because that you think it has to come through your church, God's able these holy rollers to rise stones unto Abraham. Right. He'll have somebody that's going to do his work. Amen. That's right. With all their failures and blunders and what more, they make, so did Israel make the same thing, but that righteous seed is moving on. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. Amen. By the grace of God today, we're one of those. Amen. I'm so happy for it, aren't you? My heart rejoices at the beginning of this new year to know that God, through His amazing grace, has included my name in the book of life to give me the understanding that I am associated among His people who are outcasts. Amen. And with the disciples, I might say this, I count it a privilege to bear the reproach of His name. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm so glad that I am one of them. Now, we begin here with Joseph on... The next service, which may be tonight or Monday night one, because our time is up. But I love him. Don't you love him? Amen. He is wonderful. And I'm so glad today that I can join hands with that long string of despised and rejected and hated by the ecclesiastics down through the land. Here they are. They are the Lord. That's right. 
the ecclesiastical speaking of the world educationally and socially speaking, they are above them. And we are glad to be humbled because though that will humble themselves, God will someday come the second time in glory to exalt His church. Until then, let's earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Let us pray. Now with our heads bowed, I just wonder if there would be one this morning or many a hope that has never yet accepted this Christ and His great blessings and His great powers. And we are wondering today if you would make your choice today and say, Lord Jesus, it is I and I desire to be your servant with all my heart to take the way with the Lord's despised few. I see now, Lord, it's not what the world speaks of, it's what your Bible speaks of. It's not what the world calls me. They hate me as they did Joseph. They hate me as they did Abel. They hate me as they did John. They hate me as they did Daniel. They hate me as they did Ezekiel, Zechariah. They hate me as they did Jesus. They hate me as they did the apostles and those who followed you. Without a cause, Lord, I pray for them. Have you ever received an experience like that, that you have come out and we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, offering spiritual sacrifices to God that is the fruits of our lips, giving Him praise? Could you stand in the midst of the troubled world? Could you stand before your boss? Could you stand with a humility in your heart, with love in your heart for the sinners of this world, with the life of Christ within you, and give a testimony and praise to the glory of God? If you haven't that experience, why not begin the world, the life, the everything anew today by raising your hand to Him and saying, I now, Lord, accept that and want you to give me the baptism of the Spirit. Now, our Heavenly Father, the little church this morning stands, we know, picked, shot at. The enemy has oppressed her shooting its arrows. And we pray for their sinful souls, Lord. They don't know that they're blinded by the God of this world. The church generally all over the world today, the enemy, the religious people, has shot at them with every arrow. But in spite of all of it, the great revival moves on. Thousands of humble, poor, neglected children have stumbled into these places and seen your miraculous hand, has been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're no longer of this world. They're pilgrims and strangers. They care not for the world, but they're seeking a city to come whose builder and maker is God. They've seen your healing power to heal the sick, your signs and wonders to be wrought amongst your people. Great things break loose in the spite of the places where they condemn it and try to hold it down. Your servants move right in and set up a revival and you sweep the humble into the kingdom of God. In our midst this morning, we're privileged to have these missionaries who are leaving into the other lands, one leaving into Israel. Oh, God, there it is. Pour out your spirit with him, Lord. And may great things be accomplished and cause those poor wandering Jews to come back. 
May they receive the Holy Ghost as their fathers did at the beginning. Here's a brother going out into Cuba, out into the islands. You said unto the utmost parts of the earth. Something pulling, tugging at these brethren's heart. Leaving their homes, their loved ones. Not caring for the pleasures and good times of this world. But going out into the barren lands yonder under the opposer. Trying to stop the work. But just like the ox who brought the cart back with the commandments on it and the Ark of the Covenant. They left their little ones a-balling. And they went down the road lowing, singing, going down to the rock. We thank Thee for every minister. We see sitting back in our congregation, Brother John this morning also, out of Germany, how he's been raised up poor, pulled a little wagon across the nation, preaching a gospel. Thank You for him. And these young men and other ministers who are sitting close in all the laity, when I asked, Father, believing it under a time like this, that if a man or woman did not have Christ in their heart, they'd have raised their hand, surely. Seeing all the proof of the gospel that you're the same and your church is the same. I thank you for everyone. I pray that you'll bless them and heal their bodies if they're sick and grant unto them the desires of their heart. Grant this, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed. Let's just meditate a few moments. Just be in prayer softly. The first one to die for this Holy Ghost plan was John the Baptist. But he died like a man. Then came the Lord Jesus. They crucified him. He preached that the Spirit would save men from sin. Then they stoned Stephen. He preached against sin. They so angry, they dashed his head in, but he died in the Spirit. He gave up the ghost and went to join the others, that life-giving host. There was Peter and Paul and John the Divine, they gave up their lives so this gospel could shine. They mingled their blood like the prophets of old that still see persecuted, so the true word of God could honestly be told. There were souls under the altar crying, How long for the Lord to punish those who've done wrong? But there's going to be more 
who'll give their life's blood for this Holy Ghost gospel and its crimson blood. Keeps dripping with blood. Yes, it's dripping with blood. This Holy Ghost gospel, it's dripping with blood. The blood of disciples who died for the truth. This Holy Ghost gospel is dripping with blood. Oh God, come, Lord Jesus, mold us now while we're humble before you. Take all indifference from our lives, out of our hearts, while the sweetness of the Spirit seems to have the eyes colored. God taking His Word now and watering it. We're so happy that You've included us, Father, to be barriers of the gospel. We pray for every need of the church. We pray for our beloved pastor. Oh, God, faithful servant, never tiring, always ready to go. Speak to his heart today and let him know that there's a great reward waiting there for those faithful pastors when they gather yonder on the other side with all the redeemed. Bless other pastors and the missionaries and the members of the body of Christ everywhere. Forgive us of our shortcomings, Lord. And uh, if there is a need in our hearts, Lord, won't you, while you're present, bless us? If there's sickness in our midst, Lord, someone may come into the little church today and they look yonder and they see Calvary. See there where the real seed, where Satan thought he could destroy it with death, but God raised it up again. Just can't do it. God's made a promise and God stays with His promise. And every promise is true. Your promise is eternal life and we have it. We feel it. There's something in us moving that we can't explain. Oh, God. In the midst of trouble, we feel something holds back on her. Just sit still. Storms may hit the sea. The ship may rock a little bark. You'll make a way over, under, around, or through it some way. So we're laying right against the Word, Lord. I pray now that if someone's sick and needy, that this Spirit that's in the building right now move down in great love. Say, child of mine, this is me. I'm the Father who created you. I was the one who brought the... The elements from the earth that forms you what you are. Satan's trying to get in on my work. Take my promise, child. And this prayer of faith I offer, believing that you're here. Let thy hands, Lord, stretch forth to every heart. 
and the sickness depart from the people. I rebuke the devil, the devil of oppression, the devil of fear, the devil of sickness of all kinds. Thou hast said in my name they shall cast out devils. And the unity of this church and this spirit this morning, we cast away every evil from the people, that we go from here clean by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, as we humbly accept it. Bless us in the farther exercises. Bless us in whatever we do. Go with the ministers and with the evangelists and with the missionaries and to their places, Lord. Grant someday that we'll meet it at your feet. Then we'll lay our trophies down. God, there'll be of all types. There'll be the white man, the yellow man, the black man. All together we'll say, Lord, here they are. What a day of rejoicing that'll be. Let us work while it's day, for night comes when no man can work. We ask these blessings and the, the beloved name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, Brother Branham, I have been sick for a time. There's been something look like I just couldn't overcome. I've been prayed for by individuals. That's good, brother, sister. But did you ever think what it is? Is that little promise that's been given you? All things are possible to him that believes. Won't you cast that right into Calvary this morning? This holy end of it here, the Spirit that give it to you, cast it right into Calvary and say, there my anchor holds. Now I receive right now. It's all over right now. No matter what takes place right now, my anchor holds within the veil. 
and I receive just what I ask for. I know I have it. God's Word said so. God, I'm looking to you now. Maybe you had wearies, financial troubles, whatever it is, no matter what it is, cast it right here against Calvary. For all things, all things are possible. Only Just letting it soak in real sweetly. Isn't it wonderful? This is my time of the service. The Word's been sowed, you see. Now God's watering it. Can't you just feel that, that soothing, refreshing from the presence of God? Just coming down and watering it. Then I'm your child. I, I come with my Word. I honor my Word. I watch over day and night. I'm watering it now in your heart. Can't you just take me and believe it? For all things, what? Are possible. Holy How wonderful, how wonderful, just to soak in, the feel the water coming down over the seeds. What is it? The righteous seed has been sowed in your heart. It's God's Word. That's the seed. That's the Holy Ghost. The seed that God promised in the beginning. You're Abraham's seed by being dead in Christ and take on Abraham's seed and are heirs according to the promise. The Holy Ghost come from the seed of Abraham, which makes you sons and daughters of God. Now, that's the Holy Ghost water in that promise that you took a while ago for your healing, for your salvation, for a better walk, for the fear to leave you, for whatever you have need of, for that journey down to the islands, for that journey over to the homelands of Israel, to your church, to your place, wherever it is, to your home. That's the Holy Ghost saying, that's me. I'm with you. Go on. I'm leading the way. You, you just keep on moving. That's me. Somebody standing near you, shake your hand, say, God bless you, brother or sister, whoever it is. Just turn right around. This is a little interdenominational tabernacle. We're just on our journey, peculiar people. 
this way now that at the name of It's been a great jubilee, a great feast, Amen. a Pentecostal feast on the Word and the things of God, on His Holy Spirit. We want to pray God's blessings upon our missionary brethren who are going into the field now. God, speed them right straight. We give you a promise. We'll be praying for you, brother and sister, their wives or loved ones. Think what them women are going through with. I know by my own wife. To the pastors, your brother Jackson, and I guess brother Beeler's back there, and many other the pastors, Teddy, uh, back here, a young minister, many others who are here. We just pray God's blessings, a young brother here from down at the Church of God that we're to see this afternoon. We pray blessings upon him, evangelist, I believe it is, isn't it, brother? What is your name? Brother Ward? Morgan, brother Morgan. Just so happy to have them all here. And now, while we bow our heads now to him and look, there's a humble little brother standing in the back of the building. He pulls a little wagon, I understand, across the nation. A lot of them know him as Prophet John. We call him Brother John around here. I always had a respect for the man, but the other day I was up visiting some friends of mine. That's Brother... Sister Jimmy O'Neill up at Sellersburg. That's the son-in-law of Brother and Sister Green, their presence this morning. And Brother John had been in their home, and they told me what a real Christian gentleman he was. And they gave me his life of what he had told them and how he had come up through hard trials. He's had a hard way. And we're going to ask him this morning if he'll dismiss this congregation, and ask his blessing from God upon this congregation. Will you do that for us, Brother Johnny, as you all bow our heads, and Brother John, if you'll dismiss us in prayer.